discover the inherent power of God in you. Whether there are challenges or not, we are still the same, we are constant. God is constant, God does not change. And that is the life that we have received. He says Jesus Christ is the same yesterday, today and forever. That is the same life we have also received. We are also the same yesterday, today and forever. What kind of life? We, we, we are the same because we have the same life with Christ. So when you think about God, think about you. Because everything he is, that is why he told Abraham, he said, I am your, your exceeding great reward. God gave himself as a reward to Abraham. And we are the seed of Abraham. Therefore, we have inherited God himself. Listen to Pastor Oti Boateng as Christ is magnified in you. Father, in the name of Jesus, we thank you for this moment in your presence. We thank you for this opportunity to share your word again. That as the word comes to us, entrance is given to our spirits. Our inner man is illuminated. We are brought to the truth of your word. The word that has not failed. The word by which all things were created. We know that today, the entrance of your word gives light. Gives understanding to the simple. I break every barrier of misunderstanding. I arrest every misconception from hell. I declare that the glory of God shall permeate even our souls. And bring us to the knowledge and the place of doing the word more than hearing. Thereby we shall be blessed in every deed. Even to your glory in Jesus precious mighty name. We declare it so we call it done. Amen. Amen. Hallelujah. We give God praise for today's wonderful time that we'll have with the lord and um, we're going to share with you on seed sowing it's a seed sowing conference so i believe that as you hear me your heart to be prepared and your spirit to be edified to be able to come to that knowledge of seed sowing now the world was created by words we know that from the book of genesis chapter one everything god said god saw everything god said god saw and so we must know that everything that god said that he saw was actually the operation of what we call revelation it's revelation means that it was revealed as god spoke it as god spoke it there was a revealing of it even onto the earth and we saw it and the bible says the lord god saw that the light was good and he blessed it so we have come to a certain season of our lives revelation is very important for us to know the essence of the activities we carry out many times as church people we get swayed by practices but any practice in the church that has no revelation becomes rituals or religion so the only way to defeat ritualism and the spirit of religion in any activity in the church is the entrance of revelation that also means that you can be giving, you can be taking communion, you can be coming for service. The moment there is the absence of revelation, you have entered rituals, you have entered religion. So we know that today, I was speaking to you as Paul said in Philippians chapter 3, it's not grievous, but for you it is safe. There is safety in this repetition that you must sow. You must know yourself as a seed sower, as a giver of seed. Now, quickly, let's enter into the scriptures. Why is seed important? In Revelation chapter 6, there was something that was prophesied by the prophet John. And he spoke about the four horsemen that were to appear upon the face of the earth. 
So in Revelation chapter 6, the Bible says there was a third seal that was opened. And when you read it, you see that in that third seal that was opened, there was a kind of horse that was released called the black horse. Yes, from verse 5. The black horse was released even onto the earth. Now, according to Ezekiel chapter 1, horses typify spirits. Okay, horses typify spirits. So this black horse was a kind of spirit that was released upon the earth. The Bible says he came with a pair of balances in his hand. Now, this pair of balances also was an indication of the way trade was done in those days. In those days, when you go to a market, the price of every goods or services was actually measured with something called a balance. So, if you are buying, for instance, a brick, they put the brick on one side and measure the amount of shekels that will balance the brick. That means that's the cost of the brick. So, this speaks of commerce. This black horse typifies commerce, business, transactions, economic transactions. But the Bible says that this um, black horse was coming to be released upon the earth. And in verse 6, he said that there was going to be price changes. Okay? There was going to be price changes. And this is going to cause the price of barley to be sold for a penny. And there will be a hurt not for the oil and for the wine. So price hikes is what this spirit upon the, or the black horse was going to typify. This spirit speaks of inflation, financial crisis that's about to come to the earth. And of course, in all prophecy, there are shadows and substance. So this is a time to come. It is not what has already happened. It's yet to happen. Uh, there's a day coming very soon. Even a loaf of bread will be sold for 12 pounds. Economists have predicted that. That very soon, a loaf of bread will be sold for $12. Just a loaf of bread for $12. And we can see it in fuel prices all over the world. All over the world, inflation is just going up, up, up. That's the shadow. What is to be released is going to be higher than that. But the strange thing about what God also has provided for us is, just as he did for the people of Israel in Goshen, God has always designed his children to have an immunity, to have an environment that is apart from the environment where they find themselves. So in Israel, in Egypt, when Israel camped in Goshen, there was darkness all around them. There was pestilence. There were plagues all around them. But none of the plagues came to where they were at Goshen because of God's covenant he had with Israel. Now, I'm going to show you a couple of things from the Bible, and I know you are going to be blessed by it. These things are actually the reasons for the necessity of seed sowing. Now, when you read in Genesis chapter 1, from verse 20, when he began to create the vegetation, he said, seed-bearing herbs of its kind, tree-bearing plants, all those kind of things he was mentioning. Now, the Lord saw that it was good. And all the things he had made was very good. Now, the word good in the Hebrew is the word tov or tav. And tav means a creature or an item has seed in itself. And the seed it has in itself has the ability to replicate without interruption. That is the word tav. So when God saw that it was good, what God was actually saying was that it was tav. 
It was tough because in that animal, in that fowl, in that fish, in that plant, was the ability for those creatures to replicate after their own order in quality and in quantity. That is what the word tab. That's the word tab. So actually the word good in typical Hebrew is connected to seed power. It is the seed ability that was inherent in the creature to be able to replicate itself, even for continuity. That's the word tab. That's the word tab. So actually from Genesis, God had introduced a system of tab, a system of inherent seed capacity that is able to replicate itself according to quality and quantity. So when we talk about seed sowing, it is the principle of God. God's principle is by seed. The Bible says, except a corn of grain falls to the ground and, and dies, it abides alone. But when it dies, it bringeth forth much fruit in John 12, 24. So God in Genesis in John 3, 16, sent Jesus Christ as the seed for many sons. He sent Jesus Christ as the seed. That's why John 12 said, he is the corn of wheat that falls to the ground and dies. And after his death, many fruits are, are received from it. So the, the principle of Tav is the ability of repli replication. The ability of the seed. The ability of the seed. And ladies and gentlemen, we are talking about seed power. We are talking about seed ability. We are talking about seed sowing. Why must you sow seeds? Why is seed sowing important? Let me come from another place. The reason why many people don't sow seeds. Many people do not sow seeds because of the misrepresentation of the principles by which seeds work. And today I pray that you follow me on this journey to be excited, to be elated, to be stirred up into another dimension of his word for you to see the truth about what seed is all about. When God speaks about the principles of giving, we know from previous teachings that there are majorly five. First fruit tithes, you know, your, your offerings, your, your, your seeds, and even your, 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 your vows, all that. Your, your, the five principles by which giving is done. And we know first fruit and tithes are for the Lord. So a person brings first fruit, a person brings tithe. God says bring it, it's for him. Yet, in bringing to the Lord, it is what God gave you by which you are able to bring. That means that God asks you to bring by law. You must bring. It's for him. So whether it is 20 cities or 200 cities, he said bring. It's for him. It's not you. It's for him. So you can't do anything about it because that's what he gave you. And you are bringing what is due him. Period. But in the principle of seed, we see the element of self and the element of will at play. And that's why people miss it. Because they don't realize that your seed is actually the energy for your harvest. Let me give you a typical example. In Malachi chapter 3 verse 10, the Bible says, When you bring your tithe, God will open the floodgates of heaven and pour you out a blessing. And we know from the allegory of that statement that the, a blessing was connected to rains. Okay, a blessing was connected to rains. But these rains have no benefit if there is no seed in the ground. So 
rains can fall, but if you've planted nothing in the ground, it does nothing for you. That's why many people give tithe, but do not even understand what tithe brings them. Now, in some understanding, tithe produces or pours you out a blessing. And the word blessing there is good words. Well-spokenness, good words, the, the barak, the, the, the right words. That means that tithe opens the door for right statements to be released upon you. And what I mean by that is, it is by fighting Abraham, God spoke to him and said, lift up your eyes and see. As far as your eyes can see in Genesis chapter 13. But in Genesis 1, 13, 1 and 2, he had come from Egypt with much gold, silver, cattle. He was prosperous. Yet God said, that's not it. There's more than this. So he said, lift your eyes and see. As far as your eyes can see, I will give to you as a possession. That means that there is a procedure to what tithe brings us. Tithe does not necessarily increase your, your, your produce. No. Tithe brings you ideas. It gives you a heavenly perspective. It gives you the well-spokenness of God concerning whatever you are doing. But it is the offering. The offering is the one you gave freely. Tithe you brought because it's 10%. There's nothing you can do about it. But the offering is the one you chose to bring. And you find out that it's very remarkable. People can have a salary of 10,000 cities. They will bring God a 1,000 cities tithe, but they will give an offering of 50 cities. And they are wondering why they are not increasing financially. The aspect of your free will is measured by the quantity you brought. Because when it was mandatory, you can't, it, means, it means even the thousand, if you had the way, you will not, be, will not bring the thousand. But because God said, bring that one, you were forced. The one you freely gave is actually the picture of the level of the prosperity you walk in. And he says, you will make room. He said, there will be room. There will be room. Room will be made. So, so there is a kind of blessing that tithe makes room for. But that room cannot be occupied if there aren't seeds in the earth. If there aren't seeds in the earth. Remember what he said in Deuteronomy chapter 8, verse 18, that remember the Lord thy God, for it is he that giveth power to make wealth, that he may establish the covenant which he swore unto your fathers as it is this day. So I want to bring your mind to a couple of things that will bring you to proper giving, proper you know, financial liberty. So having said what I've said, you cannot apply a key that opens a certain door to all doors. The key to fight is not the same key to offerings. The keys to fight is not the same keys that is used in offerings. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians 16 that on the first day of the week, everybody should prepare an offering as the Lord has blessed them in the week. So there was a kind of gatherings, he said, and you must bring it according to how God has prospered you in that week. So it's, you don't even give offering just like that. It is in accordance to how God has blessed you in the week. That's what he said in 1 Corinthians 16, the verse 2. So how then can my seed bring me by blessing? Because I know somebody is asking, Prophet, I'm giving seed, uh, I'm not seeing anything happening in my life. I'm not seeing any change in my finances. Nothing is working for me. For one year, I don't have testimony. At the same time too, there are other people who are getting testimonies. I am of the view 
that you can make an absolute statement when there's an absolute no result. If there's an absolute zero to any testimony concerning giving, then you can make that statement that is not working. But the moment three, four, five, seven, ten people are giving testimonies on how they are giving open doors for them, and yours isn't working. It's not that it's not working. It's you who is missing out on a principle that must be applied concerning your giving. And so you must understand principles that concerns our giving. Remember I said seed is important to God because it's the principle by which replication is actually achieved. Now, first and foremost, there are a group of people called the Jews. And I want to use them as a case study so you can understand why sometimes our giving does not work. For instance, um, when the Jew starts a business, one of the main goals of the Jewish culture is for them to be able to give to the building of the synagogue. So they don't start business to take care of their family. They don't start businesses to take care of their children. No, beyond that. They establish it to exert dominion upon the face of the earth. In fact, in the Torah, it is said by the rabbis that poverty is worse than the ten plagues of Egypt. Why am I saying what I'm saying? The Jewish man does not believe business is the office hours you spend. The Jewish man believes that business is anything that keeps you busy. So your business is actually anything that preoccupies your mind. That is your business. So if you realize this truth, you realize that you are sowing seeds, but there's an aspect of your seed that is causing the absence of results that is actually connected to intentional thinking. So the first reason why your seeds do not work is because of the absence of intentional thought. Intentional thought. Why am I saying what I'm saying? Matthew chapter 6 said, where a man's treasure is, there his heart shall also be. That means according to the law of priority, whatever I prioritize, I sacrifice or make time for. So there's nothing like I don't have time. There's everything like I have not made time. It is making time, not having time. Time is available to everybody. But not everybody makes time for what they think is unimportant. So think about it. If my treasure shows where my heart goes, then if I measure how much I actually give God, I can measure the principles by which I can say that I truly love God. So thought, intentional thought, is necessary for the building of proper seed sowing. Proverbs chapter 16, the verse 1 says, The preparations are of the heart, but the answer is of the tongue. The answer of the tongue is from the Lord. So there are preparations that must happen in your heart. And it is the preparations of your heart that actually shows your intentionality. He said, let the meditations of my heart be established in thy sight. Meditations of your heart. So when we talk about seed sowing, the reason why many people have lost the power and potency of their seed is because of the absence of intentionality. The reason why God appeared in 1 Kings chapter 3 to Solomon 
was because Solomon was intentional. Every king in Israel was supposed to give a bullock for sacrifice. But when Solomon became king, he gave 1,000. He didn't give 100. He didn't give 10. He gave 1,000. That was an indication of an intentional sacrifice. So God came in the night to him and said, what do you want? Ask of me. And look at this. When Solomon was asked this, remember, 1 Kings chapter 3, it's a dream. It was not a real story. It was not Solomon walking or praying in a temple. Solomon was asleep and the Lord appeared in the dream and said, ask me whatever you want. Imagine having such a dream. Yet Solomon knew what he wanted. Why? He was intentional about 1,000 bulls. So even in his dream, he knew what he wanted. So when the Lord asked him what you want, he said, I want wisdom. So it means there was an intentionality to his giving. That's why it provoked God to ask him a question. If you don't apply an intentional thought to your giving, you might waste all the monies you sow because you just give casually. Sometimes we give because we like somebody. Sometimes we give because, oh, we are part of the church. A religious giving. And those givings don't produce results. Ask everybody who gave and received the testimony. I gave and I was believing God for a scholarship, so I got it. I gave. So if there is no intentional thought to your giving, your givings might be wasted. So dear lady, dear gentleman, it was not the seed you sowed that was the problem. It was the lack of the knowledge that you had to attach to your seed that denied you the blessing. Many times we have bishop with us and you see people come to sow seed in his life. Some saw it religiously. Others saw it saying that, Daddy, there's something upon your life. As I sow this seed, I tap. I collect virtue. So there are two different people. The Bible says in Mark chapter 5, Jesus was walking. Many people were pressing him. But somebody had a reason for the touch. So I'm telling somebody today, if there is no reason, we, we say it many times, but it is, it, is not, <laughs> it is not emphasized enough. The principle of thought. In your giving what made you give what you are giving <laughs> if, if for instance you are about to give a seed and you are believing god for a house there's a kind of seed you will not give because you know this seed is not commercial to the house i remember a lady who once said that she had to go for a fibroid operation and she prayed one day that god should do the operation and the cost of the operation in the physical in the hospital she will give it as an offering she said that night as she slept, an angel appeared and cut her open and removed all the fibroids. The next day she went to the hospital, went to do a test. The doctor said, ah, why are you saying you have a fibroid? There is nothing here. As soon as she realized that she had been free from fibroid, she took that money she would have spent with the doctors, went to put it at the altar. Intentionality. Somebody to have a similar situation and would just say, okay, I'm testing God. There's no intentionality to it. It's not even in your heart. So you might sow a seed for a breakthrough and the breakthrough will never show up because it was not an intentional thought that guided your seed. Intentional thoughts are important because can I even tell you something? In the Bible, God created by thought. If you read it in the Hebrew, he says, Bereshit, Hashamayim, Ha'ires. You know, you know in, the, in, the, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. But if you read it in the Hebrew, you have two words, Bara and Bere. So Bereshit and Barashit. But he puts Be apostrophe, then Reshit over there. Reshit is first, but Bara is create. Bere is in the head. 
So God, strangely enough, when he began Genesis, says, in the head of God, he created the heavens and the earth. No wonder in chapter 2, we couldn't see the things he had created because it was in God's head. No wonder the Bible says in the scriptures in Psalms 127 that except the Lord watches a house, the watchman watches in vain. So there is a work God does. It's an architectural work God does in his mind. And man has to decode it. Can I say to you, all that God was doing, he did in his mind. God did it in his spirit, man. God did it in his mind. And the thought was behind every action. When God said, let the fishes come with every kind, do you think it was Adam who named it? God knew what the fish's name should be before Adam ever showed. Because every kind meant God had already classified every fish before Adam even came to name them. So there was a thought God had. It is called the counsel of God. It is called the decree of God. It's already with God. It was in God's head. It was in God's mind. It's called the foreknowledge of God. It was in God's mind. And that was the basis for creation. That's why when he said something was good, he knew that the thought was this. I don't need to create man again. Inside man is other men. Inside the fishes, other fishes. That's why when he came to woman, he didn't create woman. He pulled him out of man. It was what God called very good. It was the tough. The seed to cause replication was already man. Can I tell you something? Have this thought that the seed in your hand is what will cause the replication of your financial destiny. The seed you have is what will cause the replication of your financial destiny. Very important. You have to know that. The thought. And strangely enough, in Genesis chapter 6, the verse 3 down to 5, when it says the imaginations of man was constantly evil. The word imagination is the same word for Genesis 2-7. And God formed God formed Adam from the clay of the earth. It's the same word. Imagination It's the same word for form. So it means every formation of the thoughts was continually evil. That means that the, God is trying to say that your imagination is your formation. Whatever you are imagining, whatever you are thinking is forming something. That's why it's important that there must be intentional thoughts to your offerings. There must be intentional thoughts to your seeds. If it's a seed of glory that God, I'm thanking you for what you have done. Hallelujah. If it's a seed that I'm using as a ransom for the deliverance of a soul, then you do it accordingly. There's an intentionality to it. Praise God. Recently, I had a discussion with some economic people and I told them that the reason why a lot of you are not getting the money you are looking for is because of thought. And they said, what do you mean, sir? I asked them a question. Why did you start your business? And many of them said, it's because we want to take care of our families. And the Bible says, the person who does no work will not eat and take care of our children. I said, this is the reason why you are not getting millions. They said, why? I said, because what is necessary for your family and for your children is what God will give you. Because that's the basis for which a business was started. I said, go and investigate Coca-Cola, investigate Tesla, investigate all of them. They didn't create the business for their families. They created it to solve world problems, international problems. That is why the money that comes to them is according to the basis by which they started their business. Every business will attract the thought that is behind their starting. Every thought you have for which you started the business is the extent to which finances will come towards you. That's why thought is important in the spirit. Imagination, it forms something. So when you are sowing your seed in this seed sowing conference, I'm telling you why many other seed sowing conferences didn't produce results. Sow with the imaginations. Sow with the thoughts. Sow with revelation. And something will move out, even in the name of the Lord Jesus. Hallelujah. Praise God. Amen, amen. Number two, seed is important to God because God has already completed everything for man. 
What I mean by that is, according to the principle of God's creation, when God had already caused the earth to produce every beast of every kind in Genesis 1, from 22 downwards to 25, the earth produced beasts of every kind, of every class. So before Adam came, the lion was already there. Adam didn't shape the lion's appearance. God had already created the lion to appear the way it appeared. Adam named the lion. Adam named the lion. What was Adam doing? God was inviting Adam to the partnership of creation. What that means is that from the very beginning, how God works with man is according to partnership. When God called Moses in Exodus chapter 4 from verse 1 down to 2, he asked Moses, what do you have in your hand? God didn't pluck a stick from the sky. God didn't bring Moses a magic wand. He told him, what are you holding in your hand? He said, a rod. God will always ask you, what do you have? In Matthew chapter 14, when they were multiplying the bread for feeding 5,000 people, he asked, have you any bread? Meanwhile, too, in John 21, Jesus brought his own bread and fish and fed the disciples. He said, children, have you any fish? And they said, we caught nothing. He said, okay, then come, I have, I have fish here. But in this case, in Matthew 14, before he could multiply the bread, he asked for what they had. He asked for what they had. This is the foundation of seed. If you do not engage God by your seed, you are telling God not to do anything in your life. It is seed that shows God you are ready to participate in a miracle. Do you know what he said again in 1 Kings 17? I've always wondered why God would do that to Elijah. He sends Elijah to a place and when he gets there, he says to him in verse 9 of 1 Kings 17 that I have prepared a widow of Zarafta and she has been prepared. I've commanded the woman to sustain you. Meanwhile, when Elijah now meets the woman, the woman is telling him that, sir, what you are asking me to do, I have food just meant for me and my son after eating will die. And God said, I have prepared her. I have commanded her. If you read it in the text, you understand that God's preparation, God's command, God's arrangement for a person is actually founded in seed. Many of our preparations for breakthrough is in the seed we hold. Many of our commandments that we must fulfill is in the seed we hold. And many times we don't realize that when certain monies come our way, it is a preparation for a certain breakthrough. It's a preparation that will cause us to partner God by what we have in our hand. He said, I was going to eat this meal to die. Not knowing God had prepared that the woman will not just supply what the prophet needs, but will also have sustenance that throughout the, fast, the, the, the time of uh, famine, she would not struggle in regards to her sustenance. What am I trying to tell you today? What do you have in your hand? What seed do you have in your hand? That actually is God's invitation to partnership. It is God's invitation to, it is God saying, I have prepared you. I have prepared you to take care of my work. I have prepared you to watch over my business. I'll give you a typical example. There's no way your job can take care of you. Let me repeat this. In this economic downturn and financial hula baloo that the world is experiencing, this economic roller coaster, there is no way your job will be enough to take care of you. In fact, strictly speaking, God is well able to take care of you without a job. Because what he does for you is beyond the job. 
But you see, there is always partnership in the natural for the spiritual to have leverage. I always give example like this. If you have faith, faith is the infrastructure in the natural that allows what is spiritual to have access here. That's what seed also does. Seed becomes the bridge by which everything that has been released for you in the unseen realm is able to have access to this realm. So I can go and put a thousand cities on the altar. I'm not sacrificing. I'm creating a bridge for a million Ghana cities to locate me. That's what we do with the physical things we have. They are bridges for a realm. So my job is a bridge for God to increase my finances. That's why sometimes when you are broke, you have no job and you are broke, the reason is because you are doing nothing. So as long as you do nothing and you sit in your room, no, never be financial increase. Nobody will dash you money. You will still be hungry. But you start a job. Even with your salary, people say, God says I should give you this. God says I should buy you this. Because you have opened an infrastructure by which spirits can pour finances into. Even when you go to Juju's, they will tell you, we are going to give you blood money, but find something to do. Because the money can't appear from anywhere. It needs a vehicle. It needs a business. It needs a, a conduit for it to manifest. So I'm telling somebody today, your seed is the bridge that translates what God wants to partner you in to manifest on the earth. No wonder Deuteronomy 8 said it. He will give you power to, you know, make wealth and not only so, so that God can establish a covenant. So when God gives you seed, God is inviting you for partnership. So you ask you, what do you have in your hand? Bring it. I want to do something with it. I, I give you five loaves of bread and two fishes. Bring it. I want to do something with it. He tells Peter in Luke chapter 5, cast your net. Why didn't Jesus just let fishes appear in their boat? He said, cast your net. Cast your net. Cast your net. So child of God, your seed is also your partnership with God. It is a system of effort. Your effort in the kingdom for his blessing to find you. That's what seed is all about. So when I bring seed, I'm telling God that I'm ready for your partnership to work in my life. I'm ready for your breakthrough to show forth in my life. I'm ready for your ability to be manifested in my life. So wealth comes on the basis of partnership. So what Adam was going to do was that he was going to dress the garden and keep it, according to Genesis 2.15. He said, God said he should dress the garden and keep it. It was partnership. As long as he was there, there was something God was going to use him to do to actually partner, to keep the garden. God was not going to keep the garden. Adam was to keep the garden. It's partnership. Partnership. So your seed is God's means by which you partner him. I give you an example. In 2 Kings chapter 4, when this woman who was the wife of the sons, one of the sons of the prophet, came to Elijah, he said to himself, I have one of the sons of the prophet, but we are broke and they have come to arrest all my children. All my children have been arrested right now. So what do we do? He says, Go home, go and borrow vessels. And the Bible says, The miracle began. According to the amount of vessels she had, the oil and the flour did not cease. So according to this, if you have nothing, God cannot do something. That's the truth. If you have nothing, God cannot do something. And listen, don't say, but I'm not working. But you buy credits. But you buy buffalo. You buy all kinds of things. It's priority. You can sow. And God sees. You see, when it comes to seed, God sees the extent of how much of your heart is in it. That is why it's not in quantity, but it's in quality. How much of your heart in it? How much was your heart in that giving? That's what brings the blessing. That's what brings the miracle. That's what brings the breakthrough. Very important for you to understand that. That it is the means by which miracles through finances are actually attained. 
So today, I want you to understand that this you're given is partnership with God. It is a, re- it's a request, it's a bequest of partnership with God. Yeah, and as you give that partnership, you'll be surprised. No wonder in the days of uh, um, the, uh, the, the, the kings and the days of the prophets, when people gave for the temple, God wrote their name in Rokor because it was partnership. God will never ever take for granted your offerings and your givings that you have ever released to him. So know that it is your giving that engages God's partnership. Hallelujah. He said, it is me that giveth thee power to make wealth. So after praying for the power for wealth, there is something to do. And that something to do is your giving. That something to do is your giving. I challenge somebody today, make yourself, listen, if it is left with you, God can take care of you. But he gives you a job as a seed bank. I want to challenge somebody today. Let your job become a seed bank. That 5,000 Ghana City job is a seed bank. Anytime God needs seed, that's, that's seed bank. But if it comes to how I'll live, God will take care of me. You'll be surprised what will happen. There's no way. There's no way. It's not foolishness at all. You're not giving away. You're giving yourself out. You're not giving away. You're giving yourself to have a way out of a situation. So that's how you do it. I know a certain pastor, his wife was in the hospital many years ago. And it was a very critical situation. And the pastor, as he was praying, received the word from God. God said, engage the altar of sacrifice. And he said, Lord, what is it? He said, go and take all your forex. So the pastor had 500 pounds. He had $500. Went to give it to men of God. Because his wife was in a critical condition. As soon as he saw that offering, God spoke a word. And even the doctor said, it was a miracle. The lady survived. So there are some things I'm telling you. One of the things I've learned from scripture, when somebody is even about to die, there are two ways to come out of it. <laughs> Number one, it is for the sake of the gospel because Psalm 91 verse 16 said, with long life I shall satisfy you and I will show you Jesus. So that, that's why many people come back from the dead. They go like, Lord, when I come back, I'll preach. I'll preach your gospel. I'll, I'll, everything about my life is about you. God will say, come back. Or the person will say, Lord, that's what John D. Rockefeller did. He was diagnosed with a certain terminal disease. And he decided to give half of his fortune to the poor and to the church. And God healed him. Sometimes your money can fight for you when your voice is not fighting. That's what seed does. You can invoke the voice of seed. You can invoke the voice of a seed. And so seed giving is one powerful prophetic thing that engages altars. I cannot engage the altar of Antoine Yama. I can't engage any altar anywhere because they have no money of mine. It won't work. It only works when your money gets there. When your money gets there, the altar, because cash is also blood. Cash is sweat. Cash is risk. Cash is talent. Cash is energy. Cash is ability. So when you put money in somebody's hand, your blood, your sweat, your ability, your energy, all the risk you went through to get it is in the person's hand. This is what God is asking you to do. It's called partnership. It's called partnership. And the moment you respond with this partnership, you will see something remarkable happen in your life. But lastly, I want to talk about a group of people who were in a region called Macedon. And these Macedon, Macedonians had in their midst a Grecian community which was called Philippi. So the, the church of Philippians was 
an area or a Grecian location in the region or province of Macedonia. So once upon a time, Paul said in 2 Corinthians 8, from verse 1, that I wish you to know of the grace of the Lord, of God bestowed on the churches, not church, churches. So there were different churches in Macedon. And he said in verse 2 that how that there was great trial at this time, but they were abundantly joyful. And even in their deep poverty, they were abounding to the riches of liberality. What it meant was that there was trial like a war. And in the time of war, there's scarcity of resources, scarcity of food, scarcity of everything. But these people were excited to literally bring what they had. They brought it to the point where Paul said, I don't want, you are in trouble, I don't want your money. But they were willing beyond their difficulty. They were willing beyond that. That means that, listen, I'll give you a simple clue from scripture. If you ever find in the Bible that somebody was in a situation you are in and was able to do what you are supposed to do, then you have no excuse for which reason God will overlook your case. Let me repeat it in simple English. That means that if somebody is dying and the person in their death was able to give an offering, then you who are breathing, you who has not yet reached death, or even if you are also dying, if you say, oh, as for me, I can't do anything about it, it's a lie. God will not respond because somebody in your category was able to also do it the same. Because if it is done by one person, then it can be done by another. He said even in their poverty, they were willing beyond themselves. They were giving. They were ready to offer. They were they would go and take their anything that is giveable. They went to take it to bring to the Lord. Yeah. And, and the time is coming. I'm telling you, people even do it already. People are bringing lands and saying, Pastor, these are lands. I give it to the church. That's how it's working. Because it is a, I don't have the cash, but they've given me a land. And I believe that there are other lands coming. So this is my first fruit of a land. I remember many years ago, I was listening to um, the highly esteemed Reverend Chris Oyakilome, and he made a statement that he and his, a, 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 a member of theirs came to them that they've had their first one million naira, and they were so excited. And he was not excited. And they went back and he laughed. And he said, oh, we, we were believing God for our first 10 million naira, and we gave it to the church. So the, the couple were not happy. They just went back, prayed, and decided to bring that money back to the Lord. Because yes, I'm telling you, it is a covenant mentality that there are certain monies you don't spend first. You give to God first. <laughs> there are some monies you don't spend. No, no. I see many people do that. You've never seen a $10,000 offering before. Nobody has given $10,000 before. You get your first $10,000 and you don't think that, no, this is the first of many that should come. You don't give that to God, I'm telling you. What is going to happen is that you might never see that $10,000 again because you didn't understand that God was testing you with the first. Yeah, yeah. Hallelujah. To God's glory, my first car, I gave it as a seed. Because I knew that if I have to create a system that can open other doors, because I've never had a car before, then I get a car. It must go to God. It must go to God's work and God's service. So there are certain blessings you are going to get as young men and young women. You must have the mind that I'm a partner with God. And as I partner God, I have the grace of the Macedonians. Even in my deep poverty, even when I have so many things to do, God is always first. It's priority, law of priority. As you do God's own first, he says, the prophet Elijah says, do my own first. Do my own first. 
Yeah, David once said, David didn't have a house, Psalm 132. He said, I'll give myself no rest. Neither will I sleep in my own house until I've created a tabernacle for the Most High God. That's some people's way of thinking. And such people can never be broke. They can never be financially handicapped. Why? Because God is always first on their financial transaction. If God is not first on financial transaction, I'm telling you something, even as a pastor, you'll be broke. You must make God first. That means any money that comes first, God. What is God's share? God, 10%. Lord, how much do you want me to give as offering? Put that aside. Is there anybody want me to bless with this money? Put that aside before you even put the rest somewhere or use it for yourself. God is always first. God is always first. That's why I said it's the principle of thought, imagination, and intention. God is always first. If you fail in that area, it's going to create a problem for you. So when Paul said about these people, verse 3 of 2 Corinthians chapter 8, he says, even in their deep poverty, their riches of liberality, he said, for beyond for their power they bear. And yea, beyond their power, they were willing of themselves. It means what they didn't even have, they were pledging. What I meant was that even the money they didn't have, they were making promises. When the money comes, we'll join you. When the money comes, we'll do this. When the money comes, we'll do this. When the money comes, we'll do this. And the Bible says in Philippians chapter 1, from verse 1, Paul was praying for a group of people and he said Paul and Timotheus the servants of Jesus Christ to all the saints in Christ Jesus which are in which are at Philippi with the bishops and the deacons verse 2 he says grace unto you and peace from God our father and from the Lord Jesus Christ verse 3 he says I thank my God upon the remembrance of you in verse 4 Always in every prayer of mine for you all, he said, for you all making requests with joy. And the verse 5 says, Well, for your fellowship in the gospel from the first day until now. If you have the NLT or the ERV or the TPT, you see there, he says, For you have been my partners in spreading the good news about Christ from the time you first heard it until now. And these people, I said to you from the start, that the Philippi or the Philippians were in the region of the Macedonians. So these were the people that were likely to be the ones who, even in their deep poverty, brought all they could for Paul. And Paul said, From the first day you heard it. From the first day you heard me, you have been you have been giving up to now. Look what he says, verse two, verse six, verse six. Now, what did verse six say? He said, "I'm certain that God, who began the good work within you, will continue His work until it is finally accomplished or finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns." That means that the giving spirit is not a spirit that is temporal. It's not last year I gave, so this year I don't give. He said, "You continue even until Jesus returns." When you are a giver, you don't give two years and you go and rest for two years. There's nothing like fallow season. You are giving till Jesus comes. Wherever you are, say, I'm giving till Jesus comes. I'm giving until Jesus returns. Hallelujah. And verse 7, he says, in verse 7, uh, um, Paul of Philippians 1, verse 7, he says, Even as it is meet for me to think of you all, because I have you in my heart, inasmuch as both in my bonds and in the defense and confirmation of the gospel, you are partakers of my grace. You are partakers of my grace. Now, these are the same people Paul now referenced to in Philippians chapter 4 when he was ending his, his letter. He was in prison at this time. But in Philippians 4 verse 10, Paul was ending his letter and he said, But I rejoice in the Lord greatly now, at the last your care of me have flourished again, wherein you were also careful, but ye lacked opportunity. Paul 
was saying something very important. In Love Economy churches, we have something called 15th opportunity. So this 15th opportunity is actually a moment you don't want to miss. What Paul was telling them here, if you have other translations, I'll be glad. Either passion, either. There was seasons, in spite of their consistent giving, Paul said there were certain seasons they lacked opportunity. They didn't get a chance to give. He said, look at this. He said, but you didn't have the chance to help me. They didn't have the chance to help. That means that God wants us to come to a place in our giving spectrum. Anytime you hear a need, you should decode it. Is this an opportunity for me to give? Anytime I hear somebody wants to build a church, somebody is building foundation, somebody is, sometimes I'm coming to love economy, we are doing this project, I, I bring my offering because I'm ahead of an opportunity to help. Otherwise, I will be missing opportunities. And that's what many Christians do. And they don't understand why their seed is not working. One seed, some seeds, eh, you must sow them ten times before they show. <laughs> so you, you might be lacking opportunity. You might be lacking the chance to help. He said you didn't have the chance to help. That means that even hearing a man of God has a need, love economy wants to build this, wants to do that, it's an opportunity, it's a chance. Don't miss it. Because sometimes that chance is not just about you. That chance is an opportunity to increase God's partnership in whatever your hands has to do. Now all of you will testify that anytime you vow to God, God, I want to give 10,000 cities at this year's seed sowing conference. Everything in heaven, everything on earth, even the devils will collaborate to make sure 10,000 is in your account for that day. I'm telling you why. I told you the principle of thought. You were intentional, so you set a target. And that's what you should be doing every year. If this year I gave 5,000, next year 7,000. Why? There's a principle I always tell people in giving. The spirit of men always increase. So when a man comes to me and I give him 5,000, I must make sure next year I give him 10,000. Why? His spirit has grown. What it means is that if I give 5,000 this year, I'm still accessing last year's anointing. So this year, you might have given 4,000 last year. This year, vow to go higher because God has increased our economy churches. I was a bishop and he was telling me, this year we'll be able to build more churches. That is a grace that has expanded. So you are tapping into it for the expansion. Otherwise, you see people, every year they've pegged it, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000, 2,000. No matter how much God increases them, 2,000. So that's why you realize that they are not increasing themselves. They are not increasing themselves. There's a way to track men. Track them. You can realize that the people have increased in levels. Your money must also increase. Because my seed, I always give this simple example. When you go to a bakery, or let me even give the example, you want to eat meat pie, or you want to eat bread, you can go and learn from a cookery book how to knead the dough, how to add this, how to do this, how to do that, and everything you do after that, you start putting in the pan. Sweat all night, wait for it to rise, bake it in the oven, all that, 24 hours before you get one bread. But you can also sleep in your house, do other things, and wake up in the morning. And when bread is there, I'm going, bread comes, I'm going, bread comes, it comes, I'm going, yo, I'm going, yo. You just say, Madam, wait. You didn't bake. All you did was give her five cities, ten cities, and all her sweating. You have exchanged it with ten cities. That's the power of seed. Seed exempts you from the stress somebody went through, but gives you right to the product they carry.
That's what seed does. So I don't need to go through what Bishop goes through. I don't need to go through what life economy has gone through in the past 11, 12 years. But all I have to do is, as I tap into this anointing, something is going to happen. That's the power of seed. It gives you access to anointings, to graces, to realms people are walking in. And that's the trick. So I'm showing you a secret today. Paul said they lacked opportunity. They lacked the chance. What chance are you missing today? Sometimes the lacking of chance is not the absence of giving. The lacking of chance is the absence of the revelation. The love economy has increased. We are only more churches this time around. The anointing is fluid this time around. There are graces. Flu- so it means, mm, I can't give what I gave last year. I must increase. Because it is not increase, I don't lack opportunity. I don't miss out on it. Child of God, very important. Very, very, very important. And there are some technicalities we've given. And that's what I just showed you today. That's why sometimes you go like, Lord, but last day I gave 4,000. God said, increase it. Because God is trying to tell you something. That what you are increasing is commensurate to what you are going to tap into. And you'll be surprised how to work for you. How to work for you. And Paul said, you lacked the chance. But you lacked the chance. These Philippians, in spite of all they did, they still lack chance. That means you can be a giver and still not realize chance. But today I tell you, when you hear an opportunity, we want to do this, we want to buy a bus, as long as you heard it, go and ask the Lord, is this a chance I must not pass? Sometimes God knows all you have is a thousand, but at least you didn't lack opportunity. You tapped into it. So as we sow this service, as we sow in this meeting, as we come to this place of the sowing prowess of God, let us position ourselves to understand that giving is continuous. Giving, we don't lack opportunity. We are always never missing a chance. There's always a chance somewhere. My pastor calls me and says, I want you to do this for me. Ah, it's a chance. It's a chance. I'm not bringing him a bill. It's a chance. Something is off with the instrument. I have to buy cable. It's a chance. I'll buy it with my money. It's a chance. It's a chance. That's what we have to get to. A day must come. Somebody went to a church. So oh, we are starting a branch at this place. And somebody goes like, do you have instruments? The person said, no, I'll buy all your instruments. It's a chance. Because a day will come. I told somebody some time ago that there's a time a pastor would need 100 cities. There was a time if you gave Bishop or myself 100 cities, you have blessed us. Too powerful. Now when you, open, when you give us 100 cities, it's not that we don't value it. It's a chance you missed. You've missed the chance. You've missed the chance. And that's how people like, oh, prophet, take something small. And the reason why they say that is because they have not followed the opportunities God granted them. Bishop, take something small, something small for you. Why? And you've been in the church for five, ten years, but you are still saying something small. Because the time you should have been doing that something small to grow, you didn't. I'll say this to end. We don't just follow men in the spirit, we also follow men financially. The following must also be financially inclined. And that's one of the things you do. If you follow a ministry, the Bible says there were women in, in Mark 15, verse 40. They were followers of Jesus, but they followed him financially. So wherever Jesus went, they were the ones paying the bills. They were the ones handling his hotel bills. Salome, and, and all those people, they were following. They were following Jesus financially. There was a lady also called Mary, Magdalene, Mary of Bethany in John 12. She poured oil on Jesus' feet. And this is what I always tell people. In heaven, there will be missionaries, there will be powerful apostles, prophets, and there will be givers. Yes. Because Jesus said in, in, in John 12, when the woman poured the alabaster box on his feet, 
he says wherever the gospel is preached her name shall be mentioned and she has not won a soul she has not done any outreach but nevertheless nevertheless she was able to have her name in the gospel so all that we know about Mary Magdalene Mary of Bethany she sat at Jesus' feet and poured spikenard on his feet that's all and her name is always remembered in the years to come so some of you is your giving that will give you <laughs> an, a recognition in heaven of course in Acts chapter 10 the Bible says O Cornelius thy prayers and thy arms have come before the Lord as a memorial let me tell you today as you give as you sow this seed you are sowing it has given you a citation in heaven there is a receipt in heaven no wonder he says I could not communicate to any church when he was speaking to the Philippian church concerning giving and receipting so every time you give God writes the receipt in heaven every giving has a receipt in heaven I'm telling you many years ago I was praying and the Lord showed me he says get a book I said Lord why he said you must be my accountant on earth so since 2010 by the grace of God I have the records of all my givings for the past 13 years there's a book to show I can show you every seed that left me is recorded because God said be my accountant I said Lord why he said because money you record is money that is not yours if you think money is yours you don't usually record it because it's your money so you do what you want to do with it but when you record yeah I said to a certain people somewhere imagine that you are a man and you are writing a seed I gave thousand CDs to my side check you can't write it as a seed because you can't give thousand CDs to side check and call it a seed so based on even how you spend your money you realize that even accounting for it you cannot use money anyhow because it is the Lord's silver it's the Lord's gold child of God the money is not yours it's for the Lord and he's just telling you that use it as a key to partner with me because when you bring that five loaves of bread I will give you 12 baskets full I will give you 12 baskets full full of bread and fish don't doubt God he is well able he is well capable and so today we provoke you that as you sow seeds do it the right way have the right thought and imagination but lastly in Hebrews chapter 13 verse 15 the apostle wrote and said that let us therefore offer the sacrifice of praise of God to God continually that is the fruit of our lips giving thanks to his name then verse 16 but to do good so but to do good means that the sentence is an interjection to the previous sentence no sentence starts with but that stands alone but to do good it means he's talking from the previous he's trying to say that you're given in fact when you check it from NLTTPT your financial seed sowing taking care of the poor helping people assisting the work of God those in need that's what he said therefore let us therefore through Jesus offer a continual sacrifice of praise to God this is the NLT proclaiming our allegiance to his name and don't forget to do good and to share with those in need the word to do good is to sow seed those uh, these are the sacrifices that pleases God the sacrifice that pleases God so he is telling you that the sacrifice that will please God in fact other versions will tell you very beautifully that the way you talk is highly connected to the way you give your mouth must speak praise all the time so that your sacrifice of giving will be that which please God many times our sacrifice don't please God because we even murmured he said God loves a cheerful giver 
2 Corinthians 9 verse 6. God loves a cheerful giver. That means that if I'm coming to the altar, Carlos Sotoroba Kata is working for me. Glory to Jesus. I'm receiving a hundredfold. After I get home and I check my bank account and I see that I've given God a hundred cities, I've given God a thousand cities, I do well like glad Krakada. Thank God I didn't spend on myself. Thank God I sowed the seed. And the Bible says in Ecclesiastes chapter 11 that I should cast my bread upon the waters after making it. That's how you speak. The sacrifice of praise is connected to the financial giving. As you give, sacrifice of praise. It's a but to do good. So as you speak correctly, your giving must commensurate to your speaking. Your giving, listen, it's so serious. It's so serious. I show you one last scripture, even connected to even prayer and giving, and prayer and our words. In Psalm 141 verse 2, let my prayer be set forth as incense, and the lifting up of my hands as the evening sacrifice. Verse 3, set a watch, O Lord, about my mouth. That means your words can undo your prayer. Your words can undo your sacrifice. Please, don't undo your sacrifice. Don't be sitting in the church saying every day, life is collecting money. Every day, every day, every day. You are, on, you are giving all right, but you are losing the harvest. Your own mouth has destroyed the harvest. You have destroyed everything. No matter how much you give, you can give $30,000. The longer you, you did not sacrifice the sacrifice of praise from your lips, you have missed it. But today, when we sow, let's be excited. Let's give glory to God. Be excited that there's no money on you, but there's money in your account in heaven. And I tell you something, this year's seed sowing conference, I see diluge of testimonies. I see people, over 50 people all over the branches. God blessing with houses, cars. People are giving you free accommodation, free rent. You are staying in buildings you did not build. I see God just causing unprecedented testimonies. I see seven people, your parents, it's like somebody connected to your family, even in this giving is being healed of cancer. As you are sowing, diseases are vanishing. Oh, barrenness is being broken by sacrifice. Somebody, God is talking to you that as you sow a sacrifice, everything that has closed your womb is going to be opened in the name of Jesus. Just try God. He says, time to partner him and much more let your vessels be enough and see the Lord. See the Lord who is seated in the heavens. See the Lord who is ready to perform his miracles and test him and see if he will not prove himself in these things. I prophesy over you that let this year's season conference bring unprecedented testimonies even in the name of Jesus that in the next 12 months we cannot even describe what God is doing in your life. Somebody is about to enter some unprecedented contract that to shock you for it will change you it will change your extended family it will change your area it will change your ch- it is going to cause a turnaround even in the name of Jesus Amen. father we thank you yes. we give you glory for such an opportunity that we are day that are excited that we don't don't give the fruit of our lips but we give the fruit of our substance the labor of our hands also comes to you therefore Lord today in Jesus name we declare that Lord every wrong thought every wrong idea every wrong notion oh lord we destroy it in the name of jesus we activate the partnership of god even in our finances and we declare much more beyond this the lord there is something in our hand and we partner with you and by this seed we engage the purposes of god even in our days we ask the lord as we give let there be testimonies let there be favor let there be breakthroughs let there be miracles that people will say after seed sowing god opened the door after seed sowing i got 
full contract, full scholarship. After see sowing, somebody began to propose to me. After see sowing, years of barrenness, years of decadence, years of weakness, years of failure. After that see sowing, the Lord opened the door and the glory of God was revealed. Even in Jesus' precious mighty name, we call it done. Hallelujah. Amen. Amen. God bless you for listening. We pray that the word of God will be rooted and grounded in your heart as you give attention to the word. Kindly follow Pastor T and Love Economy Church on all social networks for more of God's word. Don't forget to subscribe to the Pastor T podcast. Simply search for Pastor T on any podcast app, plug in and enjoy God's word. Visit our website at loveeconomychurch.org for more information. God bless.